You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 141, Raising a Child with a Chronic Condition. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Parenting is always an all-consuming and emotional endeavor, but it's uniquely intense for parents who have a child with a chronic condition, whether that be a disability of some sort or a medical condition that changes the way that their child must move through the world. I get emails every day from mothers who are raising children with additional needs, physical or mental disabilities, anxiety or depression, severe eczema or allergies, hydrocephalus, autism, type 1 diabetes, long-term toileting or feeding issues, ADHD, learning disabilities, and more. Sometimes these lifelong conditions are diagnosed. Sometimes they're just something that you sense in your gut is a little different about your child. Sometimes these conditions are obvious to other people. Sometimes they are a quiet struggle that you and your child navigate privately. You may or may not consider yourself a parent of a child with additional needs, but I still think you will find many of the takeaways in this episode applicable to the unique children that you are raising. So I hope you'll listen to the end and consider at least one way that you can better navigate the personalized needs of your children based on the insights shared today. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to update you on a big project I'm working on for this community. I'm creating my first ever physical product, a journal for moms that I am so excited about. Even if you don't consider yourself a journaling person, I think you're going to love this tool to help discover more joy and magic in your everyday motherhood. I can't wait to tell you more about the concept behind this journal in the coming months. Right now, I'm actually finalizing the design and getting ready to send it to the printer, and I need your input. Would you take three minutes this week, right now if you want to, to fill out a super quick survey and give your input on your color preferences for the journal? This survey will also help me get a feel for our community and what you'd like to see in the future, and it honestly won't take you more than a couple of minutes. So whether or not you think you're going to want a journal, please go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash survey for that link. I'll also put that in the show notes. It will help me a ton if you'll take a few minutes to fill that out. I really appreciate your time and help with this. And now on to the show. Our guest today is Andalyn Price, a mother of six who is raising a son with type 1 diabetes, a lifelong condition that must be carefully managed every single day. Andalyn's son was diagnosed when he was seven and he's now 18, so she's been navigating this world of parenting a child with a chronic condition for over a decade. She has insights that I believe translate into parenting children with a wide variety of conditions and needs. Andalyn lives in Idaho. She likes to read, make baby quilts, teach piano and harp, spend time with her family, and eat chocolate. So she's definitely a kindred spirit. I hope you enjoy my conversation with her. Here we go. Andalyn, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you. It's so great to be here today. Well, I'm so glad that you reached out to me and shared some of your insights on parenting a child with diabetes. I actually have a lot of moms reach out to me specifically about diabetes. Usually it's a young child that's been diagnosed and they're really overwhelmed and they don't know how they're going to move forward after that diagnosis. So I know that this episode is going to be really useful for them. 
But as I read through your takeaways, I, I thought of how they really do apply broadly to so many types of challenges that our children might face and we might face in parenting them. And I know that you have five other kids. So do you find that what you've learned from parenting your son with diabetes has made you a better mom to all of your children? I think it has. Um, I, In working with him, I had to learn how to really see him. Uh -huh. um, it really helped me to have more compassion and understand yeah. that he is his own person and he is going through things and I'm going through things. But just because I'm experiencing it one way doesn't mean he's experiencing it the same way. And that really did apply to all of the other kids as well. Yeah. And is he your oldest? He is. Yeah. So that's unique and difficult in a way that he was your first. So you were navigating mm -hmm. parenting in general, <laughs> your first child. And then he also has this additional diagnosis. Let's just go ahead and get started with your three takeaways of raising a child who has a chronic condition. Okay. So my first takeaway is don't take it personally. It's not about you. Hmm. A lot of times I've been on forums and other places where parents will come and say, my kid was just diagnosed with diabetes. That's, and I'm worried it's my fault. I think I did something. Maybe I ate something when I was pregnant, or maybe I exposed him to something, or maybe I fed him too much candy, or maybe I did all these things wrong and I caused this to happen for my kid. And I feel so bad about this. And the guilt that people would feel is just overwhelming to people. And I think, please don't feel guilty. It is mm -hmm. not your fault. There's nothing that you could have done to do this differently, to make it happen differently. And so don't put that on yourself in addition to all the other overwhelming emotions that you're having when a kid is just newly diagnosed. Mm. I think that's so universally applicable to children getting any sort of a diagnosis or having a need and parents wonder, is this my fault? Could I have parented them differently to prevent this? Mm -hmm. And so just releasing that guilt, like yeah. you said, you, you can serve your child better if you release that guilt. Right. That's exactly right. And just try to focus on the good rather than trying to focus on the bad. It really mm. helps get through the rough times. Yes. And I know, I think it's universally true that hard things do always lead to our best characteristics. Mm -hmm. And even though we would never wish that on our children, seeing the strength and the resilience and the characteristics that's coming out in them based on what they have to face mm -hmm. uh, and honoring that I think is such a silver lining as well as what we are building in ourselves by helping them through that challenge. Would life be easier without it? Probably. But are we better people because we've had this challenge? Probably as well. And so focusing on that, I'm sure brings a lot of strength. Right, right. That's really true. One thing that's really important to understand, especially with a disease like diabetes that has to be constantly balanced, you're going to make mistakes. It's mm. just going to happen. No matter how hard you try, things aren't going to turn out the way you want them to. Sometimes you do everything right and still his high blood sugar would be super high and we're like, I have no idea why. This is so confusing. One time he took the wrong kind of insulin. So there's two kinds of insulin. And one, it's kind of hard to explain without getting too technical, but he took the wrong insulin at night, mm. the fast acting insulin. And basically I almost like panicked right there and he had to eat, I think 300 carbs of sugar to cover <laughs> the 
about the he took the short act, acting when he was supposed to take the long acting mm. and so he had to, i was like oh my gosh because if if he had not eaten he would have totally crashed and it would have been really really terrible mm. um and so i mean that was a mistake and luckily he caught it right away and was was like oh wait and it wasn't like hours later and so he was okay Hmm. Um, other mistakes that we've made are like, I can't count the number of times, even as a teenager, he'd call me from school saying, mom, my pump ran out of insulin. I need you to come and help me change my site. And sometimes it's easy to just get a little bit impatient with that and be like, oh, you should have checked. You should have taken care of this before you left for school this morning. Cause it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Like he should have known. But then I think, you know, he made a mistake. It's Okay take a deep breath, run to the school, help him take care of it, and to just allow him to make those mistakes, just like I would allow myself grace when I made mistakes. Mm, yes. There was a mom who shared her takeaways on a My 3 and 30 episode probably a year ago or whenever I did that, and she also had a child with diabetes. And one thing that really struck me is that she said that you can take and I guess lots of moms who have children with diabetes can take the number, the blood sugar number. Is that the number on the glucometer? Is yeah. that what it's yeah. called? Like yeah. that you can take it personally, that yes. you can think it's a reflection on your parenting if that number is off. Yeah, definitely. And so I thought of that when I heard this takeaway, don't take it personally. She said, just think of that number as information. It's just information and it doesn't have anything to do with your worthiness as a parent or how well you're doing as a parent to that child. And I thought, oh, that is profound because I'm sure, I think with parenting, it's easy to get caught up in our identity becoming from how our children are doing. But I'm sure that that's even more true when your child has a condition that you're managing and it really can become your whole identity of of managing and helping this child with this condition and you have to be careful not to let it become your whole identity or else it will be, everything will be so personal to you that goes along with that. Right, right. And then it makes it so much harder because you're basing your self-worth on this disease that you can't really control. And it's yes, not, it's not a good use of your mental energy, I guess. Yes, it's not your fault. You can't control it. So take it as information and move forward. Right, and letting go of control letting letting go of control and just saying I'm doing my best it brings so much peace it's so freeing as soon as I was like because I used to be like oh my gosh your number is super super high what did we do wrong oh I I failed you or we did so bad we need to do better and I think at some point I even started to put that on him like what did you do wrong and that was mm. really hurting my relationship with him too. Mm. And once I was like, oh, I got to back off. There was one point where I was like, oh, I really have to like cool it here and really back off. Otherwise he's going to hate me. Like we're mm. not going to have a good relationship and we have to have a good relationship in order to manage this together. Because yes. when they're little, you pretty much make all those decisions. You do everything for them. But as they grow and as they go out and do more things on their own, you really have to work with them and you have to have a good relationship with them in order to make sure that everything gets done the best that you can. Mm, yes. And I think that leads really well into your second takeaway about how to maintain that relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So what's your second takeaway on raising a child with a chronic condition? Okay. So my second takeaway is see your child first. And what I mean by that is to look at who your child is. Your child has 
lots of qualities beyond this diagnosis, beyond whatever condition that they are dealing with. They have a personality, they have likes and dislikes, and they have a sense of humor, and they have so many things about them that has nothing to do with their condition. Yes. And it's really, really important to focus on what they can do instead of what they can't do. Mm, Yeah. And I know there's been a big emphasis in a lot of different communities on person first language, Mm -hmm. saying this is a person with diabetes um, or this is a person experiencing homelessness instead of a homeless person, you know, so, so you're putting them first. I also heard this with, I'm talking about slavery. Instead of saying that someone was a slave, you say they're a person who was enslaved. And I love that idea of person first language and, and also person first thinking Mm -hmm. about the people in your life that their humanity and their personhood comes before the conditions or whatever struggles that they may have as well. Right, right. So another important part about this is to watch your thoughts about your child and also the way you talk about your child to other people. Mm. And I found myself like sort of focusing, especially when it was new, it was on the front of my mind all the time. But I realized that if I were to always make this the main thing I talk about when I'm talking with my friends or other people, other adults, if I did that, it would make him feel like that's all he was. Another part about this is to look for the good things. I know when I when he was first diagnosed, it was all brand new and I had to learn all these things and it was so confusing. But over time, we were able to find some good things about it because at first it seems like this is the worst thing ever. But there were a few positive things. Like one thing that he never would have experienced is diabetes camp. So he was diagnosed in September, and so it wasn't until the next June that he was able to go to diabetes camp, Mm. Um, and it was a week of being around adults with diabetes and other kids his age with diabetes and just understanding, oh, wait, other people have this? And he felt normal for that week, Mm. and he made friendships, and he just enjoyed it so much. It was like second only to Christmas in how much he loved it. And so he would have never had that experience. I know maybe saying, well, camp is a small, small silver lining for all the other crap you go through the rest of the year. Mm. But it was something that was really special to him, Mm. especially when he was just learning about it and figuring things out. Another advantage that I found is that him being such a quiet kid, he was always real quiet and he might just sort of get lost in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, going through school and but because he had diabetes we always had to have a little meeting with his teacher before school started so I can kind of explain everything to them what to look for when to contact me what and I think that really did help him gain uh, confidence and a more of a personal relationship with his teachers a little bit more trust and it helped him not be lost in the noise of everything going on in the classroom and so I mean I feel like that was an advantage for him. Yes. Um, And so whatever you're going through, whatever your kid has, whatever is going on, if you just try to look for at least a small glimmer of something good about it, that really helps you to make peace with it, to be able to say, okay, it's not all bad. Yes. And, And again, I think that's a really good lead in to your next takeaway as well about allowing them to be a child outside of whatever condition they have. Mm -hmm. So what's your third takeaway? Okay. So number three is say yes 
as often as you possibly can, even if it's scary. <laughs> and sometimes, I don't know about other conditions, diabetes is the one that I know, but sometimes it was very scary to let him go and do a thing that I couldn't come with him. And I really sometimes was like, do I have to let you go to this? In my mind, I was like, oh, this is really hard for me to say yes to. But if I were to say no, then he would say, well, I can't do this because I have diabetes. And I did mm. not want diabetes to feel like he was limited by it. Mm. Yes. I didn't want it to be an excuse to stay in his comfort zone. We all have enough excuses to try to stay in our comfort zone. And I didn't want this to be one of them. And mm. as he is a really quiet, he's an introvert. He might want to take any excuse that he had to not do things outside of his comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love in your outline, you said that instead of saying no, I say, how can we make this work? Right. I think that is an amazing question that any mom could think of with the unique needs of their children in mind. Mm -hmm. Our instinct may be kicking and screaming inside against <laughs> wanting to let them do it, but we, if we can kind of hide it and say, okay, how can we make this work so that they can have this experience? So mm -hmm. can you give some examples of things that were hard? And I, and people may not have a full understanding of diabetes. I have a little bit of an understanding because I have a couple of friends who have type 1 as well as friends who have children with type 1. But okay. it wasn't until I talked to them, I, I didn't realize how all-consuming it is and how this is a life-threatening condition, you right. know? And like, I have a friend who said that she and her husband can't go on getaways together because they don't have a babysitter that knows how to manage their young daughter's diabetes, you know, <laughs> things like that. So could you give a little bit of like context for that and, and why it was difficult to let him go and do things? Okay. Yeah. So the nature of diabetes is very unpredictable. Like I said before, like you can do everything right and it blows up in your face. If you run around too much, it can make your blood sugar low. And then if you don't, if you don't catch it and eat something in time to bring your blood sugar back up, you can pass out. Mm. And so you have to watch it constantly. You have to, it's this constant balance between keeping their blood sugar in a good range, eating something or not eating something in order to help your blood sugar be in range. It's, it's as much art as it is science in understanding how your body is going to respond to a certain food or to a certain type of exercise. If it's something that you've never done before, you don't always know how your body is going to respond. Mm. There were some, so a mom whose kid was in football and she said that during practice, his blood sugar would always tank, but during a game, his blood sugar would always spike. And so mm. I think is maybe the, the adrenaline, the mm. energy of the game, his body would react totally differently. But unless you knew that, unless you'd had experience with that, you wouldn't know what was going on. You wouldn't, you'd have to really, you have to really watch so closely. Mm. And, and really learn your kid's body and they need to learn their own body to, to sort of notice these patterns where they do exist and figure out how to plan proactively accordingly. Yes, because there is no prescribed treatment. You have to just kind of figure out what's best for your kid. And mm. so even if there's another kid with type 1 diabetes, they might have to manage it completely differently because their body responds differently to the medications and to all the different factors. 
illness is a huge thing that changes everything. And it's just a learning process with each individual. And that's why it's so hard to say, here, watch my kid do this and this and this and this and everything will be fine because Mm. you really don't know what's going to happen. Yes. And so what were some of the things that were scary to let him do, but that you knew you needed to say yes? Okay. Well, the first thing that I remember was when he was in third grade, at the end of the year, their teacher took them on a field trip to the zoo. I had a baby at the time, so I couldn't go as a parent helper. And I really wished I could have gone, but I just couldn't make it work. And I'll be honest, I was really tempted to say, you know, it's just the zoo. It's just a field trip. You don't really have to go because it's optional, you know. Oh, you don't really have to go to that because I was really worried because his teacher had, you know, 30 other kids. And was she really going to watch him and make sure that he was okay? And they were eating lunch. So he would need a shot for insulin for lunch. And he was in third grade. He was eight. And he'd only been diagnosed a year before, right? Yeah, like less than a year. So I was like, are you going to remember? How's this going to work? We had to keep his insulin cool and understand the number of carbs he was eating for his lunch. And I was like, oh my gosh, can you just not go? I wanted to say, don't go on this field trip. But Mm -hmm. I just had to swallow it and say, okay, you can go. We'll plan ahead as much as we can. And I was really nervous about him all day. And he came home from school safe and sound. And he had such a good day. And I was like, okay, well, you know, let's test your blood sugar. And he tested it and he was high. And I was like, well, do you know why you're high? And he looks, he's like, oh, I think I forgot to take my shot at lunch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did forget. And it wasn't perfect. But he had such an amazing day. He had so much fun with his friends and all the things that they did. That in the end, I was glad I let him go because it was totally worth having that experience. I wouldn't want him to miss out on these great experiences for a little mishap right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to balance that. You don't want them to be high all the time because that also has long-term life consequences. But you do have to balance. But I was glad I let him go in the end. Yes. And have you found, especially for if there are moms listening who have just recently gotten this diagnosis or their children are still really young and they're dealing with this diagnosis, how has it changed for you over the years and has it gotten easier and how have your feelings about it changed? Kind of, Can you give like a little bit of perspective on this, particularly having a child with diabetes? Yes, it absolutely has gotten so much easier over the years. Um, I know different parents will take a different approach, and this is fine. But my personal approach has been to say, this is your thing. It's yours. And you take care of it as much as you can. And as he's grown and been able to be more aware and take care of himself better, I've given his tasks over to him. Like he Mm. uses an insulin pump, so he has to change his site. And at first I was there every single time and telling him what to do and showing him everything or in the very beginning, giving his shots to him for him. But then eventually he started giving himself his shots. And then eventually he was figuring out his dosage by himself. And slowly over time, I have handed over to him the responsibility of caring for himself so that when he leaves the house, he will be totally prepared and won't be like, wait, what am I supposed to do next? Like, he'll just yes. be ready. But as he has been able to take on more and more of this responsibility, it has lightened the load for me a lot. He's been able to do a lot of things. He's actually in high school. He joined a robotics team 
and he's been able to travel to Utah, which was like a whole weekend, three or four days. He was able mm. to travel to Utah. He went to Canada last year with his robotics team and he was able to go. Wow. And um, just all the other things that he's able to do. I'm really grateful that he can do most of those things. Yes. You know, I remember the day I brought him home from the hospital when he was born. I remember thinking, can I bring the nurse home with me? Because I don't know what I'm doing with this baby. Mm, you know, he's yeah. a brand new baby and he cried for like the first 24 hours he was home or something. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And can I just bring the nurse with me? Because I don't know what to do. And it was kind of like that too. When I brought him home from the hospital after he was diagnosed at age seven, I was kind of like, can the nurse come with me? Because yeah. Like I got home and I'm like, okay, it's time to cook a meal. And I don't know what the heck to cook. I don't know mm. how to count carbs. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't want to hurt my son. And it was all so brand new and overwhelming. And now you're like, life is never going to be the same. In um, an instant, pretty much, everything was turned on its head. And it definitely was a huge learning curve. It was so overwhelming. It was so hard at first. And you're thinking, oh, he's never going to be able to do this. Or he's never going to be able to do that. And you're like, or you don't really know how is this going to affect his life when he's 15, how, when he's 25, when he's 40, I don't know what this is going to be, but all the ideas that you had in your head suddenly are like, whoa, everything's different. It's all changed now. Mm, yes. But you get used to it and then you realize, oh, okay, well, not everything is going to be different. He can still go on campouts. He can still play sports. He can still go to school like everybody else and do most of the, he can do most of the things that he normally would have done if he hadn't had this. Well, this has been so helpful. I know a lot of moms listening are going to gain hope for, particularly if they have children with diabetes, but if they have children with any chronic condition. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your insight and for coming on 3 and 30. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, here's the recap from this great conversation with Andalyn, and I want you to think about how these takeaways could apply to your children, whether or not they have a diagnosed chronic condition, because I truly think these are universally applicable. First, your child's struggles are not your fault, and it is not about you. If you blame yourself for their overall condition or for the little missteps along the way as you're caring for them, you're using up precious energy that you could be using to support them better. Mistakes will happen, and all you can do is forgive yourself and forgive them, learn from it, and move forward. Second, see your child first. Talk about their strengths and characteristics and humanity first before defining them by their condition or struggle. Also, be aware of the ways that their condition has strengthened their character or given them new personality traits that they otherwise might not have had. Third, say yes as often as you possibly can, even if you are scared. If your child has some unique medical, social, or other needs, ask yourself, how can we make this work when you're presented with an opportunity that will take him or her and you outside of your comfort zone? Get brave and do hard new things together. Friends, you can do this. Whatever you and your child are facing, I know it will get easier with time, like Andalyn described, the more you learn and grow together. In the meantime, it's okay for it to be really hard and for you to grieve. I hope there were some nuggets in this episode that spoke to your experience and gave you some tools, hope, and support as you move forward in your parenting journey. Please don't forget to fill out that two, three-minute survey that I have linked at 3and30podcast.com forward slash survey. It will help me so much. As always, I am truly cheering you on, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.